Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode number 21 of There Is No Spoon podcast. As per usual, it's just me, Stephen, alone except for a cat or three. At the time of this recording, we're still in this COVID-19 mandated isolation social distancing period. Some people think it's tough, but honestly, I've been practicing social distancing for the past 42 years or so. I'd say I've gotten it down to an art. So it's just me and you practicing safe podcasting protocols. I've even got a dental dam over the microphone here, certainly an off-label use. And I'm already digressing, and I've barely even started. Before we dive into today's topic, a couple of items worth mentioning. First, a thanks to everyone who reached out about the new podcast cover art. It seems to be a hit, or maybe only those who liked it took the time to reach out. Thanks to my creative friends, photographer Mark Suplicki and designer Joanne Strasser for making me look good, because that is no easy task. It kind of went from a pop art rendering to a Henry Rollins style pick, I guess, a bit more serious, because, well, this is serious shit. Which segues flawlessly into the second item, the end of my spiritual joke section to start each episode. Yeah, you see, I told a spiritual joke at the beginning of the last two episodes, and I got crucified for it. And I thought I had nailed it. Okay, of course I'm going to keep the spiritual joke segment of the show. It's my favorite part. And on to today's episode, which is titled, The Tao of Team, The Art and Science of Effortless Collaboration. Some of you may be surprised, perhaps even shocked or appalled, to find out that I've been doing more and more corporate trainings recently. I know, like, how do I even manage to get past security looking the way that I do? But, believe it or not, I clean up okay. Now, I don't own a suit or a tie or anything like that, but rather get by purely on my wit and charm. Or, it's more likely that I've had several private coaching clients that are part of the corporate scene, and after they've experienced benefits from the inside-out perspective, they think, hey, this might be good for my team. And they're right, of course. Understanding how your mind works, the origin of your experiences, and who you really are elevates everything and every aspect of your life, including the workplace. Most corporations these days have already had some form of mindset training for their teams. Obviously, I take a bit of a different tack, which some seem to find refreshing. Imagine that. And I've got to say that I have truly enjoyed working with these teams and look forward to doing more of it in the near future. So in this episode, I thought I would share with you some of the conversation highlights I've had with those teams and how they can produce better outcomes, coming at it, obviously, from a different angle, a meta-level backdoor man, if you will. I hope you'll find it useful, whether you work with a team at work or not, because it really is just all about relationships of one kind or another. A couple of quick shout-outs and acknowledgments in regards to my prepping for these team-building workshops from a three-principles perspective. The first is a book I highly recommend titled Invisible Power by Ken Manning and a couple of his friends. And the second being a friend and fellow coach of mine, David Wetmore of Intentional Excellence. Both are stellar resources. So here we go. The importance of state of mind. Now, there are often audible moans and groans when I mention mindset. And I mean, I get it. 
how many more times can people hear a coach talk about the importance of mindset, right? It's so 2015. However, the good news is I'm not a normal corporate coach and I'm not teaching techniques or exercises to train your brain for the ultimate mindset. I promise. This perspective is not prescriptive, but rather descriptive. We won't be dealing with applications, but rather reaping the benefits of the implications from this understanding. And although I'm often in the front of the room talking, I'm never intending to teach. And therefore, there's nothing that you have to learn. So I'm suggesting that you can just relax, take it all in, resist the natural urge to compare and contrast what I put forth with what you already know, because there's no need to agree or to disagree. Listen in maybe the same way that you might listen to music. Just let this perspective sort of wash over you. Now, there's nothing that you have to do in order to benefit and fully optimize your mind. As a matter of fact, I'll suggest that you do less. Less than may even seem responsible. Because I'm not the least bit interested in the feeling of being responsible. I am interested in results. State of mind is always involved in all processes for every human being. We are always dealing with our state of mind, and it's always affecting our feelings and our performance. Again, we don't have to change or try to do anything with it. Simply understanding how it works will create the change in a positive direction. Those of you who are regular listeners will know my fondness for the Heisenberg Uncertainty Principle. And it states, more or less, that mere observation changes that which is being observed. Now, this sometimes can be challenging for scientific data collection. For example, you can't really measure the temperature of water, but only the temperature of water with a thermometer in it. But that's of no concern of ours. The principle also points to the key to effortless change within our personal lives, with our beliefs and our behaviors, and that is this, simply notice, observe, and change necessarily follows. All the really tough stuff in your business and in life are at their foundation state of mind problems, and if you don't deal with a state of mind problem, which again is a simple misunderstanding, you'll never find an optimal solution to the tough stuff. So what's up with the fancy title of this podcast? Let's break it down. The Tao of Team, the Art and Science of Effortless Collaboration. First up is Taoism. Now, Taoism is a spiritual, philosophical, religious paradigm from ancient China. Founder Lao Tzu was a contemporary of Confucius, who's a little bit more well-known here in the States. But they had very different takes on how to live one's life. Confucius dictated that there were exact behaviors for how to do just about anything and everything to be an upstanding Chinese citizen. There were proper ways to sit, to stand, to talk, to eat, to take a dump, whatever. Lao Tzu, on the other hand, was much more of a a go-with-the-flow type of guy, almost like the dude from The Big Lebowski. The Tao itself means the way, and that is that when you can see the way, you can flow with it. 
If you'd like to find out more about Taoism, which I'd recommend because it's uber cool, you can read The Tao Te Ching by Lao Tzu. It's a beautiful little book. And or The Tao of Pooh. That's P-O-O-H, like the bear, not P-O-O, like a bowel movement. Now, there's a perspective and a concept within Taoism called Wu Wei, and I love this. Now, the trouble is that the translation into English is challenging. Oftentimes, Wu Wei is translated as no trying or no doing. I prefer the translation effortless effort. Again, going with the flow. Now, there's a quote by Anne Lamont, an author uh, in her book, Bird by Bird, which I think encapsulates the essence of Wu Wei, and that is this. The Gulf Stream will flow through a straw, provided the straw is aligned to the Gulf Stream and not at cross purposes with it. Then we have the art and science, but let's take the science first. Now, the Heisenberg Principle, which I do adore, is complex quantum physics stuff. But the science about how we take in information through our senses and experience reality is older science, 1950s or so, I believe, but equally as cool. What scientists figured out was that we humans take in a tremendous amount of information through our senses, way, way too much to be able to process or we'd go insane. So what we do is we filter it out. We filter out 97, 98% or so. And then, based on that filtered information, we make a best guess, a hypothesis about what's out there in reality outside of us. Now, of course, no two people have the exact same filters. And we don't get a lot of feedback into how flexible our interpretation of reality is. Except for one great example. That's you're walking down the street, and two blocks away, you see your best friend, Dave. And you're like, hey, Dave, Dave. And then as he gets closer, within about a block's reign of you, you realize, oh, shit, it's not Dave. Super embarrassing, right? What happened, though, was beautiful. Because it's one of the rare examples where we get the feedback that we took in sense data, made a best guess hypothesis, and we were dead friggin' wrong. Now, usually we're not dead wrong, but we're also never right on because no two people's filters are going to be exactly the same. And even your filters will change from moment to moment depending on various factors. See, no two people will ever have the exact same read on reality. We are all living in our own thought-generated individual reality created moment to moment. It's not just different perceptions. It's not that you and I see the same thing differently. It's that we actually see different things. That's just the way it is. But that doesn't have to be a problem. It can actually be exciting, productive, and the source of infinite potential. It's truly only problematic when we don't understand how our minds work, that is, from the inside out, and are constantly in battle with other people to defend our own created realities in this moment. And then you have the art. The art part is cool, because that's what cool shit do we want to create in the world? How do we want to collaborate? And when it comes to collaboration, I contend there are two crucial elements to make it effortless. The first is clarity 
of mind. For creative problem solving, you've got to have some space in the mind. And that, I would contend, is not a matter of addition. When you try to do things, add things in order to create space, it oftentimes has the opposite effect. Instead, it's a matter of subtraction. It's a matter of getting out of your own way, of calming the fuck down and allowing space for insights and clarity to arise. And number two is communication. And communication needs to be free-flowing and risk-free. Now, granted, when I mention communication, I get some eye rolls because, well, communication skills training has been around for a long time and can get a bad rap. But the good news is I'm not going to have you do exercises where you stare into your partner's eyes for 10 minutes straight. I mean, those can be powerful exercises to do, but the truth is I hate doing them myself, and so it doesn't really seem fair to subject any of my potential clients to them. I also don't have any specialty programs with certain kinds of structures or labels to them. Now, a lot of corporations these days have had nonviolent communications training. It's great stuff. Or something like a DISC personality profile. All these things can indeed be useful, but without a deep understanding of the source of your experience, it can be challenging to call upon these tools when you need them the most. However, with a deep understanding, you can truly mess up the verbiage and still be seen and heard authentically. So, learning how your mind works, the origin of all your experiences, and the art and science of living and relating with more ease, that is what I have on offer for team building. And once you see how your mind works, you'll understand how all minds work. And that alone will impact your relations at work and elsewhere. And then you can layer upon that any other techniques and strategies much more effectively as much as you see fit. At this point in time, I would usually share with the teams the adult teddy bear metaphor from Clarity Coach Jamie Smart. If you're not familiar with that, I recommend checking it out. It is in episode number three. I won't go over it here, but it points to the easily mistaken causal relationship between external people or circumstances and our internal state, our feelings, which are actually only and always indicative of our current thoughts. Feelings are our best indicator as to having a clear or a convoluted mindset at the moment. When we are feeling badly, it's an indication of contaminated thinking. Feelings are to be honored for the information they can provide, which is, again, our current state of mind or our thinking. But most people mistake feelings to mean something about other people, about the situation they find themselves in, or about themselves, including their own past or their potential future. When we are better able to recognize our state of mind and give the feelings of the moment the respect they deserve, which may be a lot or maybe not so much at all, we can act more authentically from who we really are. And so can you see how this might be useful in a setting, say, at work, when you're collaborating with other human animals? A quote from the book Invisible Power. The only reliable antidote for ineffective interactions is a fundamental understanding for how the mind works. And then we have the topic of difficult people. 
I'm sure you know a few of them at work and otherwise. But here's the thing. When we forget how powerful thought is, we forget that the experience of difficult is coming from within us. You can begin to see that every person is innocent in that they are taking their current thinking to be real. And if you were to have that exact same thinking in that moment, you'd likely act the same way. Now, this happens in life and in the workplace all the time. A coworker will be stressed and they're acting like a maniac, not realizing it's simply an indication of their thinking. And instead, they feel self righteous about it, believing the situation or their circumstances at work have created the feeling. And let's say they come at you. Now, instead of being defensive from a reactive state, you can see that they are just caught up in their own thinking and acting from that convoluted state of mind. This can offer the insight and potential within you for empathy. Because after all, you know quite well how easy it is to fall for the illusion. The illusion that circumstances are creating feelings. And therefore, to try to control those external circumstances makes sense to them. In this case, you happen to be one of the external circumstances. Then we have a possibility for humility. And humility is a natural outcome of seeing how the mind works. You realize that everyone has inherent wisdom and insight, and that two heads or more are always better than one. And finally, team synergy. I'm going to propose that there are two key elements to true and effortless team synergy. The first, CTFD. You just need to calm the fuck down. And the beauty of being on a team is that it just takes one member of the team to affect the rest in a positive pattern. This is far more powerful than the one rotten apple spoils the batch. One person coming back to center, one person creating space, can start the upward spiral for the entire team. And the second element is to get curious to have respect for each team member's own separate reality and to look for the wisdom that is there, that is inherent in their interpretation. I'd like to finish with just a couple of quotes, again, from the book Invisible Power. The power is in the artist, not what he paints. The power is in the thinker, not what she thinks. You and everyone on your team have a built-in capacity for grounding for clarity and success. And it's always just one fresh thought away. Until next time, keep in mind, you are always more alike other people than you are different. Your humanity precedes your personality or momentary perspective. As you understand more and more about how the mind works, you catch yourself putting up artificial barriers between yourself and other people. And of course, there is no spoon. It's not spoons that bend. It's you. Be swell and stay bendy, my friends. <laughs>